And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to another Fastened Like Nails. Miss Molly Mayo to Hello. my left and to my right. MTC. Colin's oh, not with us today. He'll be here later. Yes. And Molly, you're going to be going on a jet plane. I think there's a song in the 60s that <laughs> yeah. talked about that. So you're not going to be here much longer. You're going on a little bit of a vacation, Just which is exciting for you. Yes. But we've got to get this done before you go. So here yeah. goes. This is Wisdom Lesson 6. Get Wisdom, Molly. That's the title of Wisdom Lesson Number 6. Mm-hmm. It's in Proverbs Chapter 4. I'm Here's why. I'm excited about okay. this one. One of my favorite lessons. And the reason it's one of my favorite lessons is because of the dominant theme of obtaining wisdom. It's aggressive. Yes, it's extremely aggressive and it's extremely costly. Okay? Mm. And let me tell you why. Um, The father is going to begin this lesson by reminding his son to listen to his commandments, listen to his words. And he's going to um, warn him, warn him about why he has to heed correction. It's almost been in every lesson so far. Mm. Heed, and, heed correction, heed correction, heed correction. And the idea of correction is um, avoiding somebody becoming resistant to correction, um, not avoiding, uh, preventing someone from being resistant to correction, which leads to pride. Mm. Um, that's why people resist correction, because they're prideful. Mm. Only by pride comes contention, mm-hmm. but with the well-advised is wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, the, the ancient word for um, pride, it's the word for a pot of soup seething and boiling over. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they keep it all pent inside. Mm, and But then it'll eventually spill over into others. In one way or another, it will spill over. Um, That's totally what it feels like sometimes when you have it inside of you, that ire, and it's just like bubbling and seething and foaming. And eventually what happens, it like explodes. <laughs> it's because people don't know how to communicate. Um, or they're just prideful. Okay. Okay. They're prideful, but in the book, um, The Ascent of a Leader, mm-hmm. one of my favorite books in leadership, it talks about the five areas of um, the breakdown in mm. uh, in leadership in an organization. The first one's trust. Mm. If you don't trust somebody, there's going to be a breakdown in, in the whole organization because after once trust is broken, then there's a lack of communication. Mm. Once there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of responsibility, once there's a lack of responsibility, there's a lack of attention to detail, mm-hmm. and it just continues to disintegrate. So as we're communicating, um, if a person, well, first of all, if a person's prideful, um, the only way they're going to overcome pride is by just continuing to get beat up until they learn, you know, that just it doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to always have conflict in relationships. Mm-hmm. I think pride is probably one of the most difficult flaws. Isn't it, doesn't it say in the Bible that pride is the root of all sin? Hmm. Or is that just a general principle? I think the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm. I've never heard that pride is the root of all sin. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, pride is a formidable foe. Mm-hmm. It creates barriers. It's hard to break through that mm-hmm. because a person that's prideful, the least I mean, the wrong look can cause a person to be offended or you don't say the right Mm -hmm. thing. You're always having to – pride always insists on a person meeting my needs the way I want my needs to be met. Mm -hmm. You know, never letting another person meet your needs in the way they think it needs to be met. Mm. So 
So pride. It's and like that's anti-love, actually, because love does not insist on its own way. Own way is not irritable or resentful, which kind of are the things that are linked to pride. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's very good. Hmm. So here we go. Chapter four, verses four through nine. The dominant theme is heed and embrace correction. Mm. The father's teaching a son, wisdom cannot be obtained without heeding correction. Mm. Um, Molly, I've I've worked with hundreds of young people over the years, and it seems to be the number one thing that holds them back mm-hmm. is pride. pride. They're, they're unable to receive correction. Not just pride, but the inability to receive correction. Because if you know, I, um, a young lady and one of our students this morning mm-hmm. She said one of her greatest needs in the way that she is being shown love is when someone is honest with her to tell her the things about what she doesn't see in her life. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, that was crazy. Wow. And that's so true. If you want to grow, you've got to invite other people Mm -hmm. into your life. Mm -hmm. Many years ago, someone told me, Mark, if you want to grow, then you have to be able to trust God and others. Mm -hmm. E-N, entrust God and others into your life. Mm-hmm. So that means that when God raises somebody up in your life that you don't always agree with or they may just rub you the wrong way, mm. you've got to have that invitation. You know, I want you to speak to me. Speak the truth to me. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and as you do and as you receive that, then you start to grow. Okay. Because how you respond to authority and the people, not even that you perceive to be authority, but the people who God puts in your life to speak that into you, uh, how you respond to that is going to be very crucial to your character development. Absolutely. And that's something that I personally struggle with I've, I've, since I was a teenager, actually, like just that respect for authorities. Because if I don't agree with someone, then I reject what they say instantly. Mm-hmm. I'm not a very open-minded person. And that's something I remember my mom would like, we'd battle it out for <laughs> a couple of years until like what what had to happen was I had to learn to respect and trust her even if I didn't mm-hmm. agree with it in that mm-hmm. moment, which is kind of like how the relationship with God should be because sometimes he does things that you, that I don't like. <laughs> and it's like, this is painful. I don't like this. This I have, God, how about this way? <laughs> yeah. Well, look at Joseph. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, totally. Yeah. Right. Like God, like, um, I'm, I'm lo- loving my job out here, you know, watching over my brothers, mm-hmm. counting all the sheep. And I get to wear this long sleeved robe <laughs> with all these beautiful colors on it. Guys, you I know? had this dream where you were all bowing down to me. <laughs> yeah. And then God says, okay, well, let's put you in prison for like 20 years. Right? <laughs> See how and you then do. God raised him up. There you go. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. And doesn't wisdom do that too? It sure does. If you does. exalt her, she will embrace you. Or if she, you embrace her, she will exalt you. Well, we're going to get to that. That's in this chapter. I'm so excited. Oh, and, but in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about my son. Mm-hmm. Interesting. In Hebrews 12, my son. Oh, weird. Despi- it's, in, it's in Hebrews? Yeah. Despise not the chasing of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens mm. and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof we're all partakers, Mm. then you are illegitimate sons, and you are illegitimate sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which have corrected us, and we gave reverence to them. How much more should we rather be in subjection to the father's spirits and live? Really living Mm. is a result of embracing correction. Life more abundant and free. (laughs) The key to correction, though, receiving correction, Mm -hmm 
is humility. You've got to develop mm. humility. Okay, so let's say you're in a scenario where maybe you did something and you didn't think that it was wrong, or maybe you just said something and it was taken the wrong way, and someone corrects you and you don't want to receive it. I know, like, personally, I can get, like, this angry streak. So how do you keep that from happening? Uh, well, it's taken me 45 years to learn this, but I usually... Well, if I'm walking in the flesh, I'm usually going to hate that person for a while <laughs> and, uh-huh. or just be more stubborn and like, you know, I'll mm-hmm. get even with them mm-hmm. or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll snub them. I'll, <laughs> I'll passive aggressive. Yeah. I'll just, I'll leave them out in the cold. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. If I'm walking in the spirit, I'm going to immediately, after they leave my presence, I'm going to immediately pray and say, Lord, what truth is there that I'm mm-hmm. not seeing? Um, because that hurt and I think that you just gave a heaven-sent correction in my life, but I don't get it, mm-hmm. so help me to see it. And I would say 99% of the time, God reveals what I needed to learn that I didn't see. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So pray, 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 pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can tell the person that God is using. Sometimes even the person that God's using doesn't have to always be right, mm. you know, but God uses that to see to reveal something. Mm. And that's part of, like, your life. Um, you've got these worldview truths, and one of them, isn't it, like, God works all things together for good, mm-hmm. allows everything to happen for your good, yep. even God if is it good. Is. God works all things together for good. God yeah. keeps his promises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, that's, if your worldview isn't established, mm-hmm. then you're going to always – be blaming other people and or not see the the bigger picture exactly okay so so the reason that we don't receive correction is because we lack humility and pride enters in mm. and we get this seething over boiling but what solomon says next reveals it all ready mm-hmm. this is what he says next <laughs> in chapter four when i was a son with my father timid now the other <laughs> translations are Chapter 4, Proverbs. What does it say, Molly? Um, my, my version here says, When I was my father's son, tender and the only tender, one. Tender, tender. Do you yeah, see that? tender. What a terrible translation it is. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The word tender there in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew word, is weakly, a weakling. Weakling? Weakling, um, timid, <laughs> shy. Um, just picture, I picture Solomon as this skinny little kid. All his brothers and sisters are picking on him, okay? Oh, my goodness. That's what he's saying here. When I was a son with my father, literally timid and weak, the only one in the sight of my mother. Mm-hmm. Picture what's going on here. Uh-huh. He is the only son of his mother, Bathsheba. Mm. Bathsheba's his mom. His father's the king. Mm. He taught me and said to me, This is the continuation of the verse. Mm -hmm. David's teaching Solomon. Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. This is what the father taught him. He brings Solomon aside and teaches him privately. Mm -hmm. Come here, here, you little squirt. Get over here. You know? That's amazing because David had a lot on his shoulders Mm -hmm. to be able to take that time with Bathsheba's son. Yeah, and it probably wasn't looked upon real well in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what Solomon went through during this period of time when he's a young child and a teenager, even young adult? It's like, um, say, hey, Saul, um, how's your mom doing today? Um, uh, Sleeping with uh, dad tonight? You know, just all the different stuff that must have been going on. The accusations, his, you know, you came out of an an adulterous situation. Mm -hmm. You're an illegitimate child. Can you just picture kids taunting him? First of all, he's he's weak and timid, mm-hmm. okay? 
He's growing up in the king's realm, mm-hmm. but he's the. He says it right here. I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm. He says, I'm the only one in the sight of my mother. Mm-hmm. She's the only one looking out for me. That's what this is saying. Aww. You know. And the father puts brings him aside and says, Son, I want you to hear this. Mm-hmm. Um, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. That was mm-hmm. his lesson for the day. And here's this timid, weak Solomon growing up as a kid in the midst of all these other kids, probably making fun of him. I mean, the rumors Mm -hmm. had to be crazy during this time. You know, hey, Saul, do you know that your dad killed killed, um, your mom's husband? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Murder, adultery, Mm -hmm. lying. Oh, Mm -hmm. it must have been incredible what this kid had to go through. Mm -hmm. And then I love what Solomon does. Okay, mm-hmm. now, now picture this. David is going to, he's taught, taught his son what he needs, mm-hmm. and this is what the lesson is. Son, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you, love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get discernment. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place your place on your head a graceful garland and bestow on you a beautiful crown. Molly, the mm-hmm. word get appears five times. Ooh. Get, 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 get. Okay? <laughs> uh-huh. The word get appears five times. The word get in Hebrew means to acquire mm-hmm. at a cost. Mm-hmm. Grace is free. Wisdom is costly. Oh, nice. Okay. That's that's lovely. It's, this is crazy to me because this is I'm picturing just this king, King David, and he's kneeling down and he's eye level with his son, and he's telling him all these things. And he's like, "Son, get wisdom, get understanding." He's saying all these important truths, and this is not what I would expect from a king to a prince who's going to be the future king. Like you'd expect him to say business principles or this is how you be successful and earn money and all this stuff, but instead it's all of these biblical truths that he's saying, which is totally contrary to what you'd expect. I picture this as literally. Solomon is this the squirt, this timid, <laughs> weak kid, uh-huh. and David probably looks at him and is like, "He's not. He's not going to be the one." David never real, never believes, and never thinks that Solomon's going to be the next king. It's always S- S- David's, you know, firstborn. Mm-hmm. So no one thinks that Solomon's going to be be the one. And so David, I, this is my mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. David's like, "Come here, come here, squirt. Let me let me let me teach you something that's really mm-hmm. important. You need to know this." Because mm-hmm. it starts off, chapter 4 starts off where David includes all of the sons. Mm. Then he brings Solomon aside privately, okay? Mm-hmm. My thinking is that like Bathsheba's kind of like, um, can you spend a little time with Solomon? Uh-huh. You know, and so David tells him probably one of the most important things that a son could learn, get wisdom. Solomon, if you want to be successful in life, then you need to get wisdom as your primary mm. goal in life. That's what it says here. Wisdom is the principal thing. I mean, the chiefest, most important. When he tells him that, he's saying to Solomon, son, if you want this, you're going to have to pay a price for it. Mm. Um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, um, verse 10, says this, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, you must use more strength. Okay, like uh-huh. a, people have chainsaws. If they hit a rock, it gets really dull fast, uh-huh. and they just don't sharpen it because it takes a lot of time to sharpen mm-hmm. the the chain. But you just keep, for me, I just keep using more strength to just get through the log, right? Mm-hmm. And if I would just take the time to sharpen, mm-hmm. you know, the blade, it would be like butter. Mm-hmm. 
that's the way it is in life. Oh, totally. Yeah. If you're if you don't have a sharp edge to you, mm-hmm. if you're not sharpened by knowledge mm-hmm. and experience and wisdom, then everything you do in life is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you gain knowledge and experience and wisdom, you're able to make quick decisions. You're able to mm-hmm. see the end of things. You're able to know what works and what mm-hmm. doesn't work. Learn to think things through and Absolutely. not just rush into them. Absolutely. So if the iron is blunt and you don't sharpen the edge, you will use more strength. But mm-hmm. it says wisdom brings success. Mm. Wisdom is the skill that makes things beautiful and it makes it efficient and mm. effective and it works. Wisdom is what creates masterpieces architectural masterpieces. Wisdom mm-hmm. is what helps you to write a book. Wisdom is what helps you to design a house. Wisdom is what helps you to invent and discover and create. Mm-hmm. That's why wisdom was there in the very beginning of creation, having fun. Uh, several years ago, I uh, started um, touring. You know, As I would go speak in different states, I'd stop and visit old churches. Mm. And uh, every church inevitably had plaques in the back of their church on the wall. Oh, interesting. This church had the same thing. I took Mm -hmm. it down, a big, huge oak plaque in the back Mm -hmm. with embedded gold, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of the pastors from the founding of the church up until the most recent times Mm -hmm. in all these churches had all of the names, founding pastor, next pastor, next pastor. Mm -hmm. I would say 99 out of 100 names that I saw on those plaques had the title before their names, doctor, T-H-D, P-H-D, doctor, doctor. They had all gone to school, studied the word of God, Mm. gone to seminary. They had taken the pains to do what it takes in order to have a successful ministry. Mm. Today, very few pastors have studied like that, Mm. you know, where they have, they have sacrificed, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I love what I do here at Lamplighter, but it doesn't come easy. Mm. Um, and Molly, I, I, what I'm about to share, you know, I don't share pridefully whatsoever, um, because you know you don't want you don't want people to think that you know you've done something that's because of you. Mm-hmm. God has allowed this to happen. Uh, God is blessed, but I didn't have the knowledge or the mental acuity or the experience to lead a ministry like this. Mm. So I had to early on go and study. Study uh, administration. I hate administration. Management. I hate management. Mm -hmm. You know I do, right? Mm -hmm. Management and administration to me is like visiting Hawaii with blindfolds on. Uh But to do what I do required an understanding of both administration and management. It took four years, but I was able to obtain a master's degree in administration. Yeah. And that experience is what brought just the right book, just the right teacher, and the experiences that I needed in my life. Mm. If I hadn't pursued that master's in administration, I never would have read books like Good to Great, Built to Last, Changes Like a Slinky, E-Myth Revisited, um, Leadership as an Art by Max Dupree, The Contrarian Guide to Leadership, Leadership as an Art. You know, these are just some of the books that God used to just give me new insights and knowledge that was necessary in order to help at least Lamplighter organization to be successful and move forward, to have a little bit more of a cutting edge. Mm, Um, You know, if you're not growing, if you're not growing as a ministry, if you're not 
advancing, you're going backwards, and eventually you're going to lose. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't read some of these books, if you're into, you know, starting a business or want to start a business, or you know, you're in a business, whether it be a family business or you know a larger business. These books are essential. Even today, even though some of these books are 20, 25 years old, they are essential for mm-hmm. the knowledge that's needed to be successful in business today. I'll, I'll, let me just read a couple of them again. Good to Great, um, excellent book by Collins. Built to Last, um, I think actually Built to Last was first and then Good to Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Change is like a slinky. That's one of my all-time favorites. Um, E-Myth Revisited, it talks about you know the three essential um, – um, people that you need in uh, any business. You need um, a visionary, you need a manager, and you need a technician. Oh, interesting. Um, um, if you've never come across any of uh, Max Dupree's writings, Leadership is an Art, highly recommended. Contrarian's Guide to Leadership, excellent book. Leadership is an Art, again, by Dupree. Um, one of the books that I think is one of my all-time favorites helped me the most was Ascent of a Leader. Ooh. The Ascent of a Leader. Um, excellent book. That's the one that will help you to understand about how why trust is the is the pivotal point in any organization. Then communication, uh, attention to detail, mm-hmm. and responsibility, accountability. Um, the book, The Outliers. I found that to be extremely helpful. Um, and then the Talent Code. I love that book. That that was a real eye opener for me. There's a book that I don't have on my list here, Molly, but I I think it's essential reading. It's called The Genius in All of Us. Now, some of the stuff in, the, in that book is, you know, not Christian. Uh-huh. You know, it's based on probably some evolutionary theory and stuff. But that aside, it's got some excellent ideas in there on how to um, be on the cutting edge, getting your mind to be sharper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, I, probably 10 years ago, I ended up ha- – I was in an accident and um, fell off a cliff on a, on a four-wheeler um, in that, um, landed on my head, four wheeler landed on me, et cetera. And oh my goodness. lost my memory mm. for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, slowly getting it back. Yeah, that was crazy. And, um, that book was instrumental in, um, retraining the brain. Yeah. And cause we only use 5% of the brain. So it, mm. it, um, it helped me to gain the understanding of how to really get the mind to start working in a sharper way. And it, um, mm-hmm. it allowed me to end up going back to school for, for a doctorate after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talent is Never Enough. That's a great book. Everyone should read that book. Um, Why America Doesn't Work by Charles Colson. That book was an eye-opener as to what's happening today. And now that was probably written at least 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And today, all of the stuff that's in that book, what Colson wrote then is already happening today. Oh, interesting. I just heard recently there that someone in the Senate is trying to uh, pass a law that will require a four-day work uh, week for um, for government institutions. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. They're trying to, uh, you know, they want capitalism to die. They they want um, people to be dependent upon the government. Mm-hmm. It's it's really something what's happening. Uh, depopulate depopulation. The whole thing. Government control. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff happening in our in our culture today. That's why Christians need to, you know, Jesus said the children of this generation are wiser than the children of light. It ought not to be. Mm-hmm. We need to be wiser, highly skillful. We need to go beyond what Apple did, go beyond what, you know, IBM and Xerox and Google and, you know, all of these 
companies. We need to be able to be the ones that are the cutting edge. And that requires study. Mm. That requires sacrifice. And we don't have men today, not a lot of them, that are doing this. Yeah. Uh, John Adams, during the Revolutionary War, um, the United States, you know, is just this fledgling nation and we're losing and we're going to lose everything. And he needed to go away from his family, I think eight or nine children. And uh, he left his wife home taking care of the family. There was war, but he needed to go to France to negotiate um, them coming on our side. Mm -hmm. And he spent two years in negotiations with them. I believe he did take one of his sons with him. But that was an amazing sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was a reader. He was a studier. He understood um, the power of negotiation. He understood the power of treaties. Um, and so uh, while he was gone, you know, his wife held the fort down and uh, managed. They wrote letters to one another. And today, for some reason, it seems like men have reached a place in their lives where they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song that's written about three or four years ago, maybe five, six years ago, about uh, not being comfortable. And I think we've got to get to that place again. We're losing the battle, everyone. You know, the culture is surpassing. It's, it's outdoing the influence of Christianity. It ought not to be. Um, praise God for what uh, just happened at um, Asbury. Um, we need true revivals, but revival, a revival has to be based on repentance. But from that repentance, now you've got to rise and do something. You just can't. Oh, totally. Just like, okay, go back to life as normal again. Life should never be normal. When you experience a real revival mm-hmm. and you meet with God, okay, the God of the universe, <laughs> your life should never be the same. You should never think the same. You should never act the same. Uh-huh. You just can't be the same because you've met with the God of the universe mm. who's creative, who is beautiful and holy, and, and your life now needs to be energized. You met with the God of the universe. Mm. So now there's something to do. You, he's got a plan for your life. The, the early Christians, you know, they, they were martyred. They, they didn't stop telling about Jesus. That's our primary assignment you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Live the gospel. Live it in your neighborhoods. Live it. Live it in your your towns and mm-hmm. and cities. Um, we have a work to do, and right now the darkness is shutting off the light. Mm-hmm. It's covering it, and ought not to be. Okay, enough enough opining on on yes. all that, and let's get right into the text. Uh-huh. I'm going to quote it again. David's teaching his son, son. This timid Solomon, son, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. I think David is actually remembering what happened when he forgot, Hmm. when he turned away. And then he says, do not forsake her, speaking of wisdom, she will guard you, love her, and she will watch over you. That's beautiful. Wisdom is the principal thing, chiefest. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get discernment. Again, the word get carries the idea of acquiring at a cost. And then he says this, prize her highly, Mm. and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Mm. Now, what I just read is extremely essential 
and sequential. And here's what I mean. I'm so ready. When David tells his son to get wisdom, Uh this is what wisdom will do. Wisdom won't forsake him. She will guard him. Mm. And then love her and she will watch over you. Okay, so this is your responsibility. Your responsibility is don't forsake her or don't neglect her. Don't neglect wisdom. Wisdom needs to be a priority every day. Yeah. In Proverbs, it talks about wisdom crying out in the streets, getting people's attention. Give wisdom your attention. You do that through God's word. And what will happen? She will guard you. Mm. Love her and she will watch over you. Her eye will be upon you. Mm. Now, your responsibilities are don't neglect mm-hmm. and to love her. How in the world do you love wisdom? It's a great question. I got Emily looking at me from the from the <laughs> glass window in our in our studio. Emily, how how do you do this? How do you love wisdom? Okay, you love God, but what else though? Well, how do you show someone love? You give them time. Mm. You spend time with them. Aww. That's how you show them love, oh, right? That's beautiful. You um, you talk with them. You rehearse things with them. You you listen to them. And so here God is telling us, don't neglect wisdom. She'll guard you. Love her. Embrace her. And she'll watch over you. Then it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get discernment. That's in the center of this. And after that, it says this, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. I said sequential. Listen to this. I'm going to separate it. Mm-hmm. Number one, don't forsake her. Don't neglect her. Number two, love her. Three, prize her. Four, exalt her. Five, embrace her. That's the sequential steps to a romantic relationship. Oh, my. Woo. <laughs> Which is just crazy and unexpected. It is. Watch this. God wants us to be romantic with wisdom. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. And that's what happens in a breakdown of a romantic relationship between a husband and wife. This is what breaks down. This is so amazing. It works with wisdom and it works in our relationships. Yeah. If you start to neglect somebody, you're going to start to lose that love relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So it starts with don't neglect. Spend time with them. Number one, love her. Number two, prize her. When you're as a spouse and you're out with other people, show other people that you prize and value your spouse. Mm -hmm. When you do that with wisdom... Wisdom in return, there's a reciprocal response when you do these things. I, I'm, I'm getting to really, I, I just love sharing this. <laughs> so again, don't neglect her. That's where relationships break down when you neglect somebody. Yeah. <laughs> love her. Spend time. Mm. Next, the third one, prize her, especially in public. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do that with wisdom? By taking a stand. Showing that you value wisdom, yeah, not being silent in some issues, um, being honest, be humble, and you're demonstrating by by your humility when you're talking to someone that might be difficult, you're demonstrating that you're not going to be antagonistic back. You're not going to be angry. Mm-hmm. You value wisdom more than that, and you're going to let wisdom speak for herself. Next, exalt her. You lift her up. And then lastly, embrace her. Mm. Embrace is the final act of relationship here where you have this romantic embrace. I love that phrase. Yeah. And as a result of you not neglecting, loving, prizing, exalting, embracing, as a result of all of that, this is what you get in return. And I love this. (sighs) She will guard you. She will watch over you. 
she will exalt you, and she will honor you. Aww. That's just beautiful. Um, and if it stopped right there, it would be enough. Mm-hmm. But there's something else that Solomon writes to now his son. And he says this, Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Ooh. <laughs> that doesn't really need any commentary. Yeah, I mean, come um, on. I, I love that idea of if you if your step won't be hampered and you, if you run, you won't be stumbled. It's talking about unrestricted forward motion. Mm-hmm. It's talking about, you know, making decisions in business, making decisions in your education, decisions in your relationships, who you're going to marry, um, who you're going to spend your time with. You have a clear, guided path of moving forward. Hmm. Wisdom just opens the door at the right moment, the right book, the right person, the right teacher, the right opportunities. God just keeps opening up the right to Emily. You're out there doing this recording as our engineer today. You're sitting there today as a result of you following wisdom by faith, right? That's really cool, isn't it? You're learning so much right now. You're in shipping. You're doing sound engineering. You're going to be helping with some of our um, audio dramas. I could just see God just, what, what, what is God doing? What are these doors for? What's going to happen 20 years from now when I'm gone and you're going to be sitting there? I, I hope you remember <laughs> you and I looking at each other through the glass window here in the studio that like, yeah, I kind of remember that. And then you're, do, you're sitting yeah. here. Yeah. Won't that be the coolest thing? Uh-huh. Well, you can't hear her, but she's so cool. Emily's the coolest. Okay. Ready? I'm so excited. This is what's next. Not only will you have these unrestricted steps, a clear path moving forward, but Solomon's going to remind his son one last time. You ready? This is what he says in verse 13. I love this. (laughs) Son, take fast hold of correction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Wow. Wow. How many times is this idea of correction going to come across in the wisdom lessons? Yeah. Not just correction this time, but take fast hold of correction. Now when it comes, embrace it immediately. If you're going to embrace wisdom, you must embrace correction as well because that's what wisdom does. It keeps correcting us, Mm. putting us back on the right path, retraining our thinking, correcting our thinking. Um, if you approach wisdom by not forsaking her, loving her, prizing her, exalting her, embracing her, then, I'm going to repeat this, she'll guard you, watch over you, exalt mm-hmm. you, honor you. And guess what you have in the middle of all that? Mm-hmm. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get discernment. Yeah. What you get in the end is clear discernment, making wise decisions. Boy, does it get any better than that? Hmm. To have the kind of wisdom that helps you to make wise decisions in every area of your life. What do I do now? A lot of young people don't know what to do next. They go to college not even knowing why they're going to college. What do I do next with my life? Get wisdom. That's all you need. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. 
Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net.